Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Medical marijuana is big business. In fact, it's one of the fastest growing industries in the country. In Illinois alone, there were 20 growers, 58 dispensaries, and more than 54,000 people enrolled in the program. Illinois is poised to be the next state to possibly legalize it recreationally which opens the industry wide open. What's the future of the pot industry and the newest pilot program that's aimed at combating the opioid crisis? I'm Lisa Fielding, sitting in for Craig Delamore, and today we're talking all things cannabis. You're listening to At Issue. My guests today are Jason Erkes and John Sullivan from Cresco Labs, one of the largest marijuana manufacturers in the country. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. And uh, I visited your place in May of last year. So a lot of things have happened since I've been there. Tell our audience a little bit about your place, where you are, and what you do. Sure. We are uh, one of the largest uh, growers and uh, retailers of medical cannabis here in Illinois. We have uh, three grow facilities, one in uh, Joliet, one in Kankakee, and one in Lincoln, Illinois. And then we own five dispensaries around the state as well. You visited our Joliet facility, which is kind of our flagship facility, and, uh, and took a tour last year. Uh, you know, we, manuf- we grow, we manufacture, we produce uh, a full line of medical products ranging from uh, the typical flower products to pills and patches and edibles and uh, topical lotions, pretty much uh, everything you can think of. It's really an amazing place. Kind of tell folks what it looks like. It's it, it was fascinating to me because it was such a multi-step process. I mean, more than I could ever even imagine to really manufacture what the end product is. It all starts with a quality plant, obviously. The plant has been around for thousands of years. But the way that plant is used right now uh, to make medical products is very different. Uh, you know, we manufacture, as I said, a, a variety of different products. And what's different about those products is they're uh, they're tested for purity and for potency. They're dose regulated. So unlike the cannabis you might buy illegally where you don't really know what you're getting, uh, you know, you're guaranteed to get a quality product, something that's consistently dosed so you can have the same effect uh, every time you use it. So, uh, you know, a big mission of Cresco is to normalize and professionalize the industry. And what that means is making sure no matter where you buy it, whether it's in Illinois, whether it's in Pennsylvania, Ohio, if you buy a product, it's the same as buying a, a Bud Light or a Snickers or an Advil. You're getting the exact same thing every time. So let's refresh everyone's memories. 2015, Illinois uh, medical marijuana became legal. And now tell us a little bit about what that process is. You need a card. You have to uh, match, what, some 40 different uh illnesses or ailments to be prescribed by a doctor, correct? That's that's exactly right. There are 40 conditions in Illinois that have been approved for medical cannabis use, but uh, uh, the biggest change that's happened is now you can get cannabis instead of opiates. And this is a huge development uh, in the program in the state of Illinois. Any person who is going to be prescribed an opiate doesn't have to take them anymore. Instead, your doctor can recommend cannabis for you. You can get a card that day instead of getting your opiate prescription filled. Come into a dispensary and get cannabis instead of opiates for pain relief. That's a huge so development here. This is the opiate alternative pilot program, right? That's correct. Tell me a little bit about background, how this all came to about. Sure. Um, giving credit where credit's due, uh, we worked with Senator Harmon um, here in Illinois to uh, craft this program. Um, and really, it came. It was born out of the idea of 
Illinois does not have chronic pain as an issue, or as, I'm sorry, as one of the conditions in Illinois. Mm. So uh, we were really looking for a way to help people get pain relief and also to get off of opiates. Um, we looked at studies throughout the country and uh, in places where there are robust medical cannabis programs, you see 23% fewer deaths from opiates. So we really wanted to bring that to Illinois. And we thought instead of just trying to replace opiates for people who are already on them, let's make sure that people don't have to get on them in the first place. And so Illinois is really leading the nation in this idea. There's several other states that are about to adopt that same program, but uh, we've really charted the course for the country on opiate relief. And, and what we're hearing from patients uh, across the state is now they have access to something that doesn't have those harmful side effects. It's not addictive, uh, you know, where they can make it through their workday, uh, you know, and relieve their pain at the same time. It's increasing and enhancing their quality of life. Uh, when they're dealing with a condition. So, you know, this is for uh, grandmothers that might have a hip surgery that don't want to add another uh, addictive and, and side effect filled medication to their uh, regime. And they can now use cannabis uh, short term to take care of that. And uh, as John said, the process is very easy. Your doctor just has to click a box on a website and you get a card mailed to your phone the same as you do a concert ticket that day. Okay. So tell us how dispensaries work. After that happens, you go, now what do you do after that? Sure. You walk into any one of our uh, five dispensaries. Uh, once you're inside, you're greeted by uh, a staff that has been educated in all of our all of the products in the state of Illinois. And they really sit down and they lead you through. They talk to you about whatever condition you may have and the products that might best help you uh, with those conditions. Also, we'll talk about me- means of ingestion. It's not just smoking cannabis anymore. Uh, as Jason said, we have topicals, we have edibles, we have oils, we have all different manners um, of uh, ability to ingest the product um, for all of those out there that don't want to smoke, um, certainly. And so we go through this process with uh, people when they walk in. We talk about the different strains that will help their conditions, different means of ingesting, and then we work, give them different products and help them find the products that's right for them. And then we do a follow-up. The next time you're in, we go through those products, which ones worked for you, which ones didn't, and we continue to increase uh, or decrease dosage as necessary for those patients. Some folks say, well, I have pain, but I don't want to be high. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how it relieves the pain and uh, tell people how, you know, the difference is with that and what the. Sure. The beauty of it is you don't have to be high. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some conditions in some um, certainly some traumatic pain uh, where that high will bring relief for the person that's going through that traumatic pain. But there are people um, that function on a day to day basis with cannabis that aren't high at all. So cannabis has a CBD property. Uh, as part of it. And that CBD is a great anti-inflammatory. It's a great anti-seizure medicine, and it has nothing to do with getting high. And so we dose CBD a lot to help people manage their pain throughout the day without being high. In fact, many of the patients that I've worked with when they've come into dispensaries are people that have not been out of bed in 10 years, have not been able to go to work. And after a few days on cannabis, they're back at work. They're looking for jobs. They're back functioning throughout the day, and they're not high. I mean, you can drive a car, you can, you know, take care of kids uh, and be totally lucid and be pain-free. And you own a dispensary and you've seen this firsthand. I have. Uh, I have two dispensaries here, the two Medmar dispensaries, one which is in Rockford, Illinois, and the other one is two blocks north of Wrigley Field. So uh, over the course of the last four years, I've worked with uh, thousands of patients who have come through those two places. And uh, the results are dramatic. Uh, you see all the side effects of people who are on uh, opiates, and, uh, for pain management and getting them off of those opiates and getting them onto cannabis. And like I said, the ability to go out and work and live your life again, uh, it's truly remarkable. This truly is um, uh, a wonder drug for a lot of people. And when you are in a regulated market like uh, like Illinois or a product is tested uh, for potency, 
you know exactly what the dose is that you're taking. And, you know, microdosing is a big trend in the cannabis industry of being able to take, you know, very small doses consistently throughout the day to kind of manage your pain, uh, which would avoid you getting high and that entourage effect of, uh, uh, of impairing your judgment or anything. So, uh, you know, being able to take a product that's dose regulated, knowing, you know, this is five milligrams and this is my appropriate dose and I can take five milligrams, you know, every four hours to relieve my pain where it's not affecting me the same way as you would take a painkiller or something like that. And what John was saying is, you know, when you walk down the aisle at Walgreens and you see all the different ways that you can consume cold medicine and headache medicine and allergy medicine, cannabis is available in all those same forms. It's available in pills. It's available in patches. It's ingestible. It's oils. It's gels. And, of course, it's vapable and smokable uh, as well. So there's a wide variety of people or a wide variety of products for people that don't want to smoke uh, the product. Have you already started seeing people coming in using this as the alternate to their opioids? Have they told you? The program started January 31st. Obviously, we're about a month in. Yes. What have you seen? Absolutely, we have. Uh, and it's been very exciting. I mean, we've seen patients coming in uh, who have both been on opiates for uh, for years uh, and want to get off. And we've we've seen patients coming in uh, who are about to get opiates um, and didn't have to get them because of mm-hmm. this program. So, uh, and, and the results really have been, uh, like I said, dramatic. You see people who have been on opiates um, for the better part of their lives, you know, 10, 15 years that have now are weaning down and some of them getting off those opiates altogether. So it really is um, life-changing for them. Wow. There's also people that have been using uh, cannabis illegally because that was the only way they could get it because they didn't have legal access. So what this opioid program does is really open up access. And the first day uh, that the program launched, there were people coming in saying, you know, I've been using it and I know it helps relieve my pain. Uh, and now I have access to more products and a, more, a wider variety, and I'm not breaking the law. Okay. So we've had medical marijuana for four years. We're now entering the... Alternative pilot program. I was at Governor Pritzker's um, victory. He talked in his victory speech the night that he won on election day. One of the second or third things he talked about was legalizing recreationally here in Illinois. Illinois is probably poised, possibly, to be the next state in line. I'm sure you guys are already planning for that. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts about um, this moving into the recreational phase. Sure. So we're excited about it. Um, you know, it really is uh, has the potential to do a lot of good. Here in Illinois, uh, not uh, you know we believe in safe, regulated, and tested uh, cannabis marketplace. Number one, and Illinois has really led the way uh, with a safe and regulated market. The systems that have already been set up and in place here um, have prevented uh, diversion, have prevented theft um, uh, of cannabis, cannabis crossing state lines. The state has really done a fantastic job of regulation. And now, as we expand that program, uh, we have the ability to be set the model for the country. Um, of states that have figured out how to regulate cannabis uh, in a thoughtful way. But more importantly than that, um, the new rec market actually has to, uh, the ability to have a great um, impact on social justice and social equity. Um, the war on drugs um, really uh, hit some communities very hard. Um, and re- we are looking at ways, we're looking at creative ways uh, to put the cannabis money back into those neighborhoods in order to help revitalize them. We're looking, we're actually helping to set up uh, expungement um, uh, clinics and conferences so that people can now get those prior cannabis records expunged. So there's a lot of exciting social justice aspects um, that can, that cannabis can now help change. It's really, uh, it it can be a win, win, win. It can be good for the state monetarily. It can be good for people from a uh, social justice uh, perspective. It can really make great changes there. Uh, and it can be safe and regulated so that law enforcement can keep track of it and the state can keep track of it so it doesn't get diverted um, back into the illegal market. We've talked a lot about the tax revenues that the other states have, like Colorado and Washington. 
how would that you talked about money? Social justice is, is, is one with the decriminalization. But what about the money and the taxes? You know, we're always talking about Illinois needs more money and we're all paying taxes toward this and that. Sure. Uh, the latest numbers I've seen, the projections uh, in a study that came out this week were in the upper $400 million uh, mm. range of what it could generate for the state in revenue, which is great. Uh, one of the things that the state is looking at is continuing a medical program along with a uh, an adult use program. So uh, people that are using it as medicine that have a, a doctor's recommendation for cannabis can buy that product and still get it uh, without the increased tax and increased cost of their medicine. Uh, you know, the study that came out this week was really unique because uh, what it said is that the current growers in Illinois uh, could help launch a program near immediately and supply the demand uh, while the program is ramping up. So I think uh, having a governor that's supportive of this, having a Speaker of the House with a supermajority that is supportive of adult use, and now having two mayoral candidates in Chicago, the largest city in the state, that both support adult use, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of working out details. I think that adult use is on the fast track to passing. Would they have to obviously issue more licenses to keep up with that demand? You'd mentioned supply and demand right now. Sure, absolutely. As I said, the study came out that said the medical growers in the state could uh, certainly supply the demand for two or three years, uh, which would be fantastic. It means the program could start quickly. There definitely need to be more retail stores. There's only 60 dispensaries located around the state. And I think in order to open up access uh, and, and meet that demand, there'd need to be an increase in uh, in retail dispensaries. But uh, the growing, you have to build facilities and actually you know, put the processes in place to harvest a crop is much more time consuming. So- uh, with the state's priority of generating uh, tax revenue and uh, with their social justice initiatives, the program can start generating tax revenue while they're uh, figuring out how to issue more licenses in the future to address diversity and the social justice issues. I know one of our lawmakers say they want to propose this as soon as next month and maybe have something in place recreationally by 2020. Tell me about the timeline you guys have heard. Um, any possibilities? Yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility that a, a, a bill passes this session. There's been, uh, as Jason said, a ton of momentum for this. Um, and, you know, and even uh, the Republican side of the aisle because of the, uh, uh, you know, the tax revenues that can, it can bring in. Uh, so we're seeing a kind of overwhelming momentum right now. A governor wants it, both uh, houses um, uh, in the legislature who want to see this happen. From a timing perspective, we, we're hearing April, May um, uh, for maybe a vote. Uh, on uh, recreational uh, cannabis, uh, governor signs it. You know, we could probably see it as early as uh, January of uh, 2020. Okay, you're listening to At Issue on WBBM, and today we're talking about cannabis, medical and otherwise, and the future of the booming industry. I'm Lisa Fielding, and our guests are Jason Erkes and John Sullivan from Cresco Labs. So let's continue talking about the potential for recreational legalization. Uh, we talked about supply and demand. What about the cons of this some folks say there this could lead to some black market people have you know growing their own and you know things like that um you obviously have to do research what's good and what's bad out of the consequences of something like this tell me about what you've looked into for this i think as long as illinois follows uh the same model that have worked in other states and continues along the path of being the leader in regulated cannabis programs like they have in the medical program you know illinois really uh started uh this generation two of medical programs and other states have followed uh, the systems and the the processes and the compliance that we put in place. So I think as long as it's a compliant program and as long as legislators look at it a way certainly to generate revenue, but in a fair way uh, where the taxes are not excessive, what you've seen in other cities around the country is when these taxes become very excessive, where you've got city, state, county, and every municipality adding on a percentage here and a percentage there, that does help fuel the illicit markets and uh, you know it, it becomes cost prohibitive. So 
I think that's one of the things the legislature is certainly looking at in Illinois to make sure it's a fair program. You're a former prosecutor? I am. You talked about social justice and the impact on this. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that and what you saw, you know, in low-level crimes as far as drug crimes and things like that with marijuana and decriminalizing that and the consequences? Yeah, you know, marijuana um, uh, and certainly the war on drugs um, was targeted to, um, uh, you know, very specific communities uh, throughout Chicago and Cook County uh, and the state of Illinois. Uh, and those communities were, were uh, heavily impacted by, um, you know, police officer, tra- officer traffic stops. You know, marijuana is oftentimes used for probable cause for searches. Um, and so you saw a whole system built up, a whole judicial system built up around the war on drugs, right, that really adversely impacted, um, you know, communities like North Lawndale, communities like Inglewood. So uh, what we believe is that any program, any recreational program uh, that happens in Illinois has to really address um, what has happened in those communities and make sure that those communities are not left behind by any recreational program. And I, there's some uh, real concrete ways we can do that. We're, uh, we've been discussing with uh, legislators here about incubator programs for those communities. We are seeing a lot of urban, uh, urban farms or urban gardens that have been springing up. You know, we'd like to help um, make, use that model uh, to um, bring cannabis to those communities in a safe and regulated way. And I think there's real ways we can do that. We'd also like to see, uh, encourage uh, state and local banks um, to loan, uh, to bank the cannabis industry, which is really hard to do, uh, we're, but we will help them do that and then get a lot of that money back into the, those communities where they're banking. So, um, you know, there's going to be billions of dollars. Um, this will be a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and uh, there will, there's that, all, that money, we need to find a way to get back into those communities uh, to, because they were the hardest impacted by the war on drugs. We did an ad issue a couple of years ago about the heroin addiction and the epidemic that goes along with it. A lot of opioids lead to heroin. If this alternative program is successful in Illinois, gets people to maybe, you know, go for there for pain instead of opioids, would that also affect the heroin trade? Because that tends to be the next drug of choice when opioids don't work anymore. Do you think that has any kind of correlation? I do. I do. You see a lot of... um you know, a lot of uh, heroin use starts with prescription opiates, mm-hmm. right? Once people can't get their prescription opiates anymore, they turn to heroin. So uh, marijuana just doesn't have those same addic- addictive um, uh, uh, tendencies to it. So um, if we can put get people to use marijuana for pain relief, or first, they'll never hopefully get to the heroin uh, epidemic. And I think some of the studies that have been coming out uh, have started to show that that is the case. Uh, so it, you know, I think getting the word out um, that people can get cannabis now mm-hmm. instead of those opiates and can never, uh, you know, can avoid that train altogether uh, will certainly decrease uh, um, the heroin trade uh, in Illinois. And I think we're seeing that bear out across the country. Let's hope. Let's talk about the industry in general. It's creating jobs now for sure and more to come probably. We did a story yesterday about how colleges and universities are now offering majors in cannabis cultivation, which I know goes hand in hand with agriculture, but also cannabis marketing, cannabis, everything you can think of. And I was like, wow, that's a definite sign of the times. Yeah, it's really exciting, actually. It's great to see that uh, major universities, I mean, right here in Chicago, Northwestern University and Kent uh, Law School both offer classes, uh, cannabis classes on law. Uh, which is fantastic. Our CEO actually lectures one of them. And then, uh, you know, a lot of universities around the country are training people uh, from chemistry and biology and 
uh, and the agriculture aspect of it, uh, everything from growing and testing and extracting and manufacturing the products. Uh, I just on my way here, I read uh, that the state of Pennsylvania that we're in added 4,000 new uh, cannabis related jobs just wow. last year. So uh, I think Illinois can be uh, on pace to do that as well uh, as the program expands, both as it expands from a medical standpoint and as it, uh, the potential of adult use. Uh, there's a lot of new opportunity in this industry. And, and good paying jobs, too. I mean, uh, you know, at the dispensaries, we started people at $15 an hour, just, uh, you know, their, their first day there. And some of them, uh, you know, are making as managers sixty dollars and $70,000 a year. So these are really, um, you know, head of the household type jobs. These are, you know, jobs that come with benefits. Um, the industry is really, um, uh, as it grows quickly, we're really taking care of the people that work for us and uh, like I said, creating great paying jobs. A big mission of Cresco is to normalize and professionalize the industry. So we have sought out subject matter experts pretty much covering every aspect of our business to come in and uh, people from Abbott Labs, people from Nike, people from Gatorade, people that uh, deal with supply chain uh, to come in and bring that expertise to our company as this industry emerges. And, uh, you know, that's great to have people that are experts in those uh, individual topics uh, already. But the people that are coming out of school learning things specifically for this industry can certainly add to that and, and help it evolve as an industry. I met a lot of folks on site at Cresco, and all of them had these amazing specialties. You know, we're talking scientists, and tell me a little bit about uh, the backgrounds and the career paths of these folks that work for you. I think our, our lead cultivator uh, has three degrees. Uh, wow. The guy that runs our cultivation around the country, he's, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, an agricomist, agri- <laughs> Ag- agronomist. Uh, agronomist. Agronomist. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're on radio. We have to pronounce it <laughs> right. That's um, very true. Uh, you know, and, uh, agronomist. He, agronomist. That's, that, that's it, agronomist. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's got a, a degree in commercial agriculture and uh, a degree in chemistry. And he... Uh, you know, he's an expert. And, you know, the cannabis plant is much like the tomato plant. So people that have experience growing tomatoes before cannabis became legal, it, it kind of applies. So uh, we try to hire people that have that expertise in a controlled environment. Uh, as you walk through our facility, you saw, you know, every plant was the same height and uh, and looked the same because uh, it's a controlled environment. You're getting the same amount of uh, water, the same amount of fertilization, the same amount of light. Uh, and, and that's what we do to, to make sure we're turning out uh, a very high quality product. So um, we have some of the best people uh, in the industry that have come on board, uh, people that have worked in uh, commercial pharmaceuticals uh, for companies like Abbott uh, uh, and AbbVie uh, that have brought their expertise and compliance. Uh, you know, John is part of our compliance team, and the compliance from a regulatory standpoint is uh, a big deal. One thing people don't realize, you know, we're in, uh, we're in seven states. That means we've got seven sets of rules to follow wherever we go. Uh, can't cross state lines, so everything we're doing in that state uh, from the packaging to the way we grow it to the way we tell consumers and patients about it is different. And uh, the compliance end of things is really, uh, you know, it, it's cumbersome to manage. You talked about normalizing. Let's yep. talk about the stigma. There's 54,000 people enrolled under the current medicinal marijuana, uh, but it is still small compared to the people that probably maybe need it or want it. Talk about nor- normalizing this and where we're at with that. Sure. I, you know, I think it all began with Illinois started off with you had to get fingerprinted initially to get a medical cannabis card. So talk about adding stigma Mm -hmm. to something, right? Well, that's all gone away now, right? Even the state has realized that that uh, that stigma should be lifted. So uh, the fingerprint requirement is gone. uh, So it's much easier to get your cannabis card uh, after seeing your doctor. That's that's number one. But then, uh, you know, the majority of patients in Illinois are women uh, and the Hmm. uh, the majority of the women are over 40. So uh, you see like uh, conditions like fibromyalgia and others. And so when you get a, a group of women, uh, you know, that I've been fortunate enough to meet with that are talking about cannabis uh, to their friends and telling the relief they get. And, you know, you, 
I mean, you do a double take, right? These majority have not had cannabis ever or not since 19, you know, 60. Right. So it's, it's really, um, the world's changing. You look at all the polling numbers that are out there now, and Jason can probably talk to these better than I can, but you're seeing, you know, 80, 85, 87% for medical cannabis polling numbers, right? Mm. And then for, for recreational, even in states like Arizona, uh, which is far more conservative, you're seeing numbers around 60% for recreational. Mm. So uh, the tide and the stigma, or the tide has turned, the stigma is really being lifted every day. And a big part of normalizing the industry is normalizing the experience. Yeah, a dispensary can be intimidating, especially for uh, consumers or patients that haven't bought cannabis legally for the you know the first time. So uh, what we try to do is make sure it has that experience that you would when you're going to your local pharmacy. There's someone there to answer your questions. There's someone there to walk you through the process. There's someone there to uh, explain uh, you know how the different products work and uh, and make recommendations. Another thing is the products that are available and the way they're branded. You know, we've all heard words like indica and sativa and hybrid, you know, things that people don't might not necessarily understand. Uh, Cresco, we've taken our product line to the next level and branding uh, our product line on what the effects of uh, of that medication is going to be. Uh, we have rise, rest, and refresh. So, you know, this is going to be uplifting. This is going to help you sleep at night. This might help with your pain. And, uh, you know, it, it's normalizing the, the product names and the packaging. So when you're looking at these, you can make a reference to the things we all inherently know that we've seen at a drugstore before. You're a former TV producer. I am. Then you were in uh, public relations and you started representing Cresco. Yes. And now you're their spokesperson. Yes. Tell me a little bit about how, what you learned and how you kind of jumped on board with this whole um, fast-moving train, really. Sure. I mean, it started very early on. I was working with two friends that were applying for a license in Illinois. And uh, after being successful with that uh, and helping launch the business here in Illinois, I became fascinated by the industry. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a a cannabis um, connoisseur by any means, and uh, I don't have a lot of experience in it. I've certainly learned a lot about it. And, uh, you know, what I've learned uh, mostly is how it helps people. And I think that inspires me every day. When I'm standing in the line uh, when we're opening a dispensary and I'm greeting people as they're coming in and talking to them while they're waiting in line, and I hear story after story after story about what a drastic impact, uh, you know, this plant had to help with their pain, uh, to help with their PTSD, to help them sleep at night, and to help them give them uh, a higher quality of life, uh, you know, I just became very interested in it. And, uh, and you know, I joined the team uh, full-time about six months ago right before we went public. And as this industry expands, it's a very exciting industry to work in. And, uh, you know, being with Cresco, who's one of the leading companies in the country, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. You mentioned PTSD. Veterans, amputees. Talk about kind of the innovation there. Yeah, well, you know, the majority of PTSD drugs that are pharmaceuticals out now have uh, horrific side effects, right? Um, uh, We've spoken with so many veterans. We have so many veterans that are patients uh, that come in every day. Um, that have lived with this and then struggled even more with the medications they were given by the VA and, uh, and other hospitals. And uh, again, similar results. And uh, you see uh, these veterans after a few days using medical cannabis uh, and their PTSD subsides. Um, they feel better. They feel like they can get out and function more. Uh, and it's been one of the most rewarding things about being in this industry to actually help uh, those that have served this country. Um, it's, it's, it's been great. Um, again, you know, we still have the federal stigma. You know, so it's still hard for our soldiers to get this medicine through the VA and other places. And that's there's so there's still a lot of work to be done there, but we are uh, making those changes. You've got a couple more minutes here. Any final parting thoughts of the industry and where we're going? Well, I, I like to just say that talking about what John and, and, and uh, was just saying and, and some of the stories and what inspired me. I just heard a story this week from someone that called us up out of the blue and said, I'm one of your patients that buys product at one of your dispensaries. And uh 
hearing the story of a Division One athlete that had back pain who comes from a family that had uh, addiction issues and didn't want to take opioids. He said, you know, I put on 50 pounds. I couldn't work out. I'm a dad of three, and I was having all these issues, and I started using cannabis. And the guy has lost 25 pounds. He's competing in a half marathon and has signed up for an Ironman in June. Uh, solely using cannabis to manage his pain from, uh, you know, from being an athlete. So it's stories like that that I think uh, provide a lot of hope, uh, you know, for people that are looking for alternative reliefs of pain and, and you know, people that uh, this opioid program was created for. Sure. And, and just a final thing, I mean, talk to your doctor. Right? If you're going to be getting an opiate, um, if you have one of Illinois' conditions, talk to your doctor. We still have to do a better job of educating doctors on cannabis, showing them the studies that already exist. And there's literally thousands of studies out there uh, now that show the benefits of cannabis. Uh, but most importantly, people need to have the conversation with their doctor um, and feel free to, to contact Cresco Labs and to ask any questions. Um, we're happy to help you have that conversation with your doctor. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Our guests today at Issue have been Jason Erkes and John Sullivan with Cresco Labs. I hope you've enjoyed this fascinating discussion. We learned a lot today. I'm Lisa Fielding, WBBM News Radio on 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 